0: Hey, everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you, though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. to baseball barbecast the only baseball podcast in the world that spent Yom Kippur atoning for all of our bad baseball takes I'm Jake Mintz that's Jordan Schusterman did you say
1: sorry Oh I did I asked for forgiveness it was a challenging but rewarding and meaningful fast Jake we are recording on Tuesday morning because Monday was indeed the holiest day of the Jewish year We will be making our uh, Yom Kippur references all throughout this podcast. Uh, We will begin this Tuesday episode with a reflection of the Mariners' catastrophe on Monday night and where they stand. In an AL postseason picture that, unfortunately for Mariners fans like myself, might be clarifying uh, a little bit as the regular season draws to a close. We will wrap the weekend since most teams did not play on Monday. We'll reflect on all of those series that were. Check in on the NL postseason. Padres Giants had some interesting stuff happen last night. I will recap Joey Votto Day, which I was there for on Sunday. And then we will say goodbye. But don't worry, we'll be right back here tomorrow. We're doing this Tuesday episode because we know we missed Monday because of the Kipper. Jake, uh, you have any more Kipper
0: reflections before we get to the Mariners? I have one more bad Kipper joke, which is, does Baseball Savant or StatCast tell me how fast my fast was? <laughs> they should. They should. <laughs> my sprint That's, speed? My fast ha- sprint speed?
1: We've we've made a lot of... Uh, there's been a ton of technological progress in terms of... You know, installing Hawkeye into all of these ballparks, but we're going to need a lot more than that to to track how fast the fast was. Uh, Jake, let's begin in Seattle, Washington. Last night, just four games on the slate last night, or or five. It was it was a very light uh, slate, which unfortunately for Mariners fans who did not want people to be paying attention to how poorly their baseball team was playing, <laughs> that was not the case. All eyes uh, were on the Mariners Astros. Game Last night to open a three-game set at T-Mobile Park. This is coming off a weekend in which both teams got swept in very different but also similarly embarrassing fashion. The Astros losing three at home to the lowly Kansas City Royals. The Mariners going into Texas with the chance to leapfrog the Rangers and getting their ass whooped in games that I guess by the score looked close but certainly didn't feel all that close over the course of the weekend getting swept by Texas down in Globe Death Field, but they return, both of them go to Seattle, holding an l three trying to avoid an l four it's set up picture perfect pitching matchup with Luis Castillo and Justin Verlander, and uh quite quickly it was very apparent what how this evening was going to unfold. Luis Castillo, who has learned to pound the strike zone with his ridiculous stuff since arriving in Seattle. That is a strategy that works against 90% of teams. uh, Against a team like Houston who can hit pitches in the strike zone, it is not going to work. They launch a few home runs off of him. And more importantly, the Mariners offense, who has been completely annihilated by bad pitchers, but certainly Justin Verlander in recent years, were calmly sat down, down by Verlander over the course of what almost was a complete game. And uh, the Mariners lose, they fall a game and a half out of the po- out of a postseason spot, and uh, things are bad. things are bad in Seattle, Jake. What were your takeaways from this, and then I'll kind of kind of let loose here.:
0: Last night was not an indictment of Luis Castillo. No, I think going into it, right? It was like Verlander versus Luis Castillo. in my head, at least right now in this year, they're relatively evenly matched, I think. those are two yeah. pictures of similar quality, which says mm-hmm. a lot about Luis Castillo. I think the pitch calling by the Mariners last night was terrible. Way too many fastballs and way too many fastballs in the zone to Houston hitters who, I mean, if if you've been watching any amount of baseball over the last seven years, you knew how it was going to go if you threw them fastballs in the zone. That was a big part of it, right? And the other part was, it was an indictment of the Mariners' offense. Mm -hmm. Verlander versus Castillo is easy to understand. But it's, then it's Houston's offense against Seattle's offense. And there was just no plan. From inning number one, you never felt like Seattle had a chance. There was one inning where they had bases loaded, one out. Julio Rodriguez up with a chance to claw back into the game. And Julio grounded into an inning-ending double play. And from then on, the writing was on the wall. The Mariners' offense has gone cold at the worst possible time. Jordan Schusterman, you have remained sane. Mm-hmm. You have remained together mm-hmm. for the entirety of this Mariners season. So I'm going to pass you the mic virtually, and I'm going to let you sound off. I'm going to let you speak your mind. Remember, though, anything mean you say, you got to wait a whole year to atone on next Yom Kippur. So be wise.
1: That's true. However, I am going to sneak in one more uh, Yom Kippur joke here. You just referenced that moment, um, Julio, the GIDP. I believe it was the third inning. With Verlander, who had been perfect through the first seven batters, the bottom of the order gets two guys on. Julio comes up, bases loaded, with one out, and it down by four. And it's like, this is the spot, right? Like, not that he he needs to hit a grand slam, but I'm literally sitting on oh my couch. I'm just like, please score a run it's not like julio is pretty... this is not a carlos correa situation it's not like i'm looking at julio and i'm thinking this guy's going to ground into a double play right and so you know the part of of the yom kipper service where we are where we're listing all of our sins right we're going through every we you know does it build up from the worst to the least whatever it's a huge range we're we're li- we're listing them all in hebrew and we're beating our chest and we're saying i I'm sorry. Please forgive me. A tone, a tone, a tone. Julio Grande, who don't play in that spot, would rank quite highly in that in that in that, uh, in that hierarchy of I needs to atone. Because while Julio has struck out in some big spots over the course of this season, that especially swinging at that pitch, I think the second pitch of the at bat when Verlander was finally starting to sort of lose his command was just like, oh my God. And that moment, as you mentioned, I have remained so sane through this season. I have done my best to understand it is a long year, right? I know how much time is left. And in some ways, if you told me, hey, Mariners are going to be a game and a half with with six games to go in a a tight postseason race here, if you fast forward to this, I'd be like, you know what? Okay, right? So there's still a chance. I'm not here to bury them. However, that moment and that performance, which I have seen now multiple times dating back to when they did it over 18 innings against Houston to end their season last year, is really what is is most frustrating. Do I think that this team, from a pure talent perspective, is that much worse than these other teams in in the American postseason race? No, I don't. And if you want to point to the fact that their payroll is $100 million less than those three other AOBACR teams, you could say that too, but don't then go look at Tampa Bay and Baltimore, right? It's not just a payroll thing. And I think that's what's important to see here. You cannot point to one thing and say, this is what is wrong with the Seattle Mariners. Because on the whole, they are of course in a very healthy place in general in terms of the roster, in terms of the core pieces at the very top. But <laughs> we have seen this kind of performance especially at home so many times this year even when they were getting hot right and what this team has shown us over and over they have not beat good teams consistently it's honestly that simple they have taken care of business against the bad teams and in some sense that is what good teams do that's true but if you can't actually compete Against the best in this, but we saw what happened to them against the Dodgers when the Dodgers weren't even really playing for much. We saw them, what happened against good teams all throughout this run. And now, this these past four days against the teams you're directly competing against in your division. If you can't actually show up then, even in the regular season, you can't show up in the postseason. We saw them battle. We saw them beat Toronto. Yeah, right? But this is this is the next level. And until they can show, oh, no, we have a team that isn't just like good on talent. We have some of the best players in the league and some of the best pitching in the league you got to actually prove
0: it consistently against the other best teams in your league. Otherwise, there's no reason to bet on you. The x-rays have come back, Jordan, and unfortunately it appears that the Seattle Mariners <laughs> do not indeed have that dog in them. That might just be the issue. When the lights get bright, they fold. I'm looking through the list of sins mm-hmm. that we apologize for, mm-hmm. atone for on Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. and I'm curious for you which of these is most applicable to the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> just want to run through a couple if you don't mind. Uh, Sararnu, we have caused our friends grief. Okay.
1: That's, that's pretty close to where we're we're, get, we're in the range We're in range here. Okay. Uh, Kitsavnu, we have deceived. Okay. So that's another one, right? Is it's like, what were the expectations? Did they say we have built a world series roster? Was the fan base fooled into thinking they had built a world series roster? Arguably, no. There are some people that were just like, no, this is not a World
0: Series roster. Why are you pretending like it is? So that's, that's kind of on the line. And this is the one I think is the most fitting. Pashanu. Mm. We have been negligent in our performance of the commandments. We have been it's- negligent in our performance.
1: And that's another thing. And maybe the last thing to come back to. If you want to get mad at Jerry Depoto, if you want to get mad at ownership, that all makes sense. Ultimately, man, these players who are not that worse on a pure talent standpoint than a lot of these other teams, the players have not shown up. They have not risen to the occasion of the pressure of these. Uh, It doesn't make them bad people. It doesn't mean they can't do it next year. It doesn't mean they can't do it over these next six days. But what I've seen over and over and over over these last three months is when it's like, this is the game. It hasn't happened. And so that's why I am not especially confident for the remainder of this week as they play Houston two more times and then Texas four more times. But we will see. We will see. I would love to be wrong. I'm never going to bury anybody at this point when they're still that close. Uh, but that's that's where I'm at. It's, it sucks because I have tried to be level-headed for most of the season but uh, this week I was like, you know what? Time to get emotional. I am still a fan. <laughs> and last night I was, uh, I was not
0: not feeling good. Now, despite the hurricane of negativity, the Mariners still hold their fate in their own hands. Mm-hmm. At current moment, they are one and a half games back in the wild card behind Houston, with two more games against Houston to play. Mm-hmm. Where if they beat the Astros mm-hmm. in tonight on Tuesday night, and they beat them again on Wednesday night, they will have. The edge over Houston with a tiebreaker against the Astros and they will be in pole position. All Mm -hmm. is not lost. They have four games left against the Rangers Mm -hmm. and they have four games back from the Rangers in the division. So the Mariners, despite all of this, despite the disappointment, have a chance to rectify Mm -hmm. their sins. However, the margin is very thin. And here is where things stand in the American League at present. For the first time in a long time, we are getting some clarity. We are getting distance between some of these teams. It appears, I'm not going to count my chickens. It appears that the Baltimore Orioles are going to win the American League East. Their magic number is down to three, which means that they need three wins of their own, plus three raised losses. It can be one or the other. That is looking very likely as the season draws to a close. The Orioles play the Washington Nationals this week. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep, they play the Nationals uh, and then finish against Boston while uh, the Rays finish with uh, three against Toronto uh, and Boston as well. So I, I like your chances there, but yes, that's, that's looking like it. And of course, the Rays there sit many games up on Toronto in terms of that first wild card spot. Correct. The Rays
0: have clinched uh, the top wild card spot at the very least in the American mm-hmm. League. They will have home games at the TROP, at the juice box at, during this October. So that, we have clarity on that. The Orioles will probably be number one. The Rays will probably be number four. And the Minnesota Twins clinched the American League Central, what I have called the kiddie pool division, all season long with a record of 83 and 73. They could lose every single game the rest of the season and still win the division with 83 wins. Yes. They will be locked into that three seed. They will host... The worst wild card team in the wild card round at home in Minneapolis.
1: Mm-hmm. And they are, of course, trying to snap that 18 game postseason losing streak. and but now they will be, if there's any team that's definitely going to be resting, especially with the injuries they've already been dealing with, it is going to be Minnesota over this final week. They've already announced that it will be Pablo Lopez in game one and Sonny Gray. In game two. Now, who they will face, we will see. Because right now, Toronto sits in that second wild card spot. A game and a half up on Houston. As I mentioned, they are about to play Tampa Bay a few more times. As well as the Yankees. Uh, the Astros, as we mentioned, a game and a
0: half up on Seattle. And Texas, with their sweep of Seattle over the weekend, have got some distance in the American League West. Two and a half games over those Astros. Mm-hmm. So what that means if the season ended today. I think this is the most likely rundown we will have when the season ends a week from now. A week from today, we will have wildcard games, which is very jarring and bone rattling and spine tingling and all the other adjectives you have for the postseason. But if it ended today, the Orioles would be the number one seed, the Rangers would be the number two seed, and those two teams would get buys into the second round. The wildcard matchups would be Minnesota against Houston in Minneapolis, and then it would be Toronto against Tampa Bay in Tampa. I think that is the most likely scenario we will get, unless the Mariners can pull a rabbit out of their hat. Jordan, any other thoughts on the American League playoff picture?
1: No, but again, like (laughs) this is still a a a day to day uh, situation, and it is. We're gonna get to this a little bit with the Reds later, but I've said this so many times. Like so much of baseball, as cliche as it is, is waking up the next day. And kind of pretending like the day before it didn't happen. And just recognizing this is the spot we are in entering tonight's game. It is wild that you have to come back from a game like last night and play again. As I will talk about with the Reds later on here as we talk about the weekend wrap. It is just, that is the beauty and terror of baseball. Is that you can have the worst game, worst performance ever. And you either, well one way to look at it, you have to play again tomorrow. Or the other way to look at it is you get to play again tomorrow. I don't know how the Mariners are feeling going into tonight with George Kirby against Christian Javier, but I imagine we will find out pretty soon. Jake, let us wrap up the rest of the weekend. Um, or do you want to take a break first? I want to take a break. All right. If that's okay.
0: So we're when, we, take return. A break. Yeah, a when break we return, not a break a Break fast, not a break fast. Yeah. When we return, we will take you through everything that happened over the weekend, which we're doing on Tuesday because we are Jewish. We'll talk in a second.
1: Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a quick housekeeping note about our merch. Look, in Australia, we love clothes and almost always wear them. If you're like us and also enjoy dabbling in clothes wearing, then why not consider some official Baseball Barbercast merchandise? Whether it's a jumper you're after, which you would call a sweatshirt, a cap, which we would call an old hair hugger, or a shirt, which we would call a belly wrap, we have it all for you. But that's not all. Do you also like to drink water or caffeinated beverages? Well, that's great because we have mugs and bottles to help you quench your thirst too. To buy any of this merch, go to podswag.com slash baseball. The link is in the description of the podcast. And don't leave yourself clothesless this postseason.
0: And welcome back to Baseball Barbecast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. A lot of ball over the weekend. Let's run through it all and begin with what is likely the final mop of the season. We have been tracking these mops all season long. If a sweep is three games, a mop is four. And the Phillies took care of the Mets in four straight in what was likely the final mop of the season. Now, There is a four-game set this weekend, right? Mariners, Rangers. Yeah, we have (laughs) uh, three
1: opportunities remaining. Dodgers, Rockies this week could very well be a mop. And then Rangers at Mariners and Red Sox at Orioles. Could the Orioles finish the regular season on a mop to clinch the division? That would be very interesting. But all things said, this is most likely going to be our final one. Uh, And... It was not, it didn't feel as momentous as some of the other ones, although it certainly put the Phillies in a very comfortable position going into the final week. The Mets, of course, needing to lose games to ensure the best possible draft lottery position. So, all is well on that front. Uh, nice to have a little great, great Mets loss there, having an awesome Ronnie Mauricio home run and then still losing. That's exactly what we're looking for at this stage of the season for the New York Metropolitans.
0: The headline of the series for the Philadelphia Phillies was somebody named Orion Kirkering. If you've never heard the name Orion Kirkering, that makes a lot of sense. He was a fifth-round pick last year by the Phillies out of the University of South Florida, and he made his big league debut over the weekend. Jordan, what is so notable about Mister Orion Kirkering? Yeah, so Orion Kirkering, if you obviously you
1: watch, like, damn, that's that's a that is a live arm, and that was true during his draft spring last year. But he just wasn't very good. He lost his rotation spot for USF midway through his draft season, gets moved to the bullpen, and the results weren't that much better. But you could tell there were a lot of people intrigued with just the pure arm talent. He goes in the Philly system, and even if you assume, you know he's going straight to the bullpen, for it to come together this quickly, for his command to come together this quickly, and the stuff to tick up even more, I mean, he was arguably the best reliever in minor league baseball this year. Pitches at all four levels. Of the minor leagues. You, I mean, it's one thing to do this right after your draft year, but it's it's very rare to see anybody play at all four levels of full season baseball in one year. And now the big leagues, it makes for a very cool baseball reference page. And on the whole is 151 uh, over 53 innings with
0: 79 strikeouts and just 12 walks. Low A, Clearwater, high A, Jersey Shore, double A, Redding, triple A, Lehigh Valley, and MLB, Philadelphia. Made his debut over the weekend, struck out two batters in one inning, looked absolutely nasty. The metrics behind his slider are stupid good. And And he's a 100. And he's throwing 100 and. (laughs) This last week is kind of an audition to see whether or not they'll roster him for the playoffs. And I think they have to. I Based mean solely off of what he showed the other day. That's the thing. And there
1: I know there are some Phillies fans that were hoping to see him a month ago. And yeah. it's there's there are outs to be had in that bullpen. And while there is definitely a version, while his command has been certainly strong at the minor league level you know, we'll see how it translates. You could see him walking a couple in a DS outing and it's like, oh, what were we thinking? This guy was at USF like a year ago, but the talent is here. And I I mean, I think he's earned it already. So I, I, not just because of his, how good he looked in his debut. So I hope we see more of him.
0: The other notable thing with him that went a little viral was his father crying for the entirety of his outing. Did you see this? I didn't actually, I missed this. So his pops was just weeping the whole time. Like it wasn't, you know, MLB debut, base hit, cry. And what I loved about it is that's how I would be if my child made the major leagues, I would be a fucking puddle. And <laughs> I cannot believe that parents don't cry more than they do. I agree. And so to see Orion Kirkering's dad just absolutely wet with tears, flush with emotion, yeah. is what we want. More men crying, More men crying at baseball stadiums. Also,
1: like, again, when you have a situation like this, and I know he was a college pick, and relievers are going to be the ones that move quickly, but his dad was probably hanging out watching him dominate Florida State League hitters in front of nobody this year, right? And I'm sure that was, like, the beginning. It felt like the beginning of the journey, right? It's like, okay, his first season in the minors. Here we go. And, like, four months later this dude might be coming in in a big spot in the playoffs. Like, that's a lot to process, you can imagine, let alone the obvious emotion of watching your kid make his major league debut. So, very exciting stuff. Uh, I hope that the Phillies bullpen, all of the distrust that comes inherent with the Phillies bullpen arm, I hope that he can avoid that as long as possible. I am definitely rooting for Mr. Kirkering. Let's move to the other opportunities that happened this weekend. Couple splits, some weird ones. We had Baltimore and Cleveland Splitting two games uh, at Progressive Field in Oakland and Detroit. Uh, I imagine you watched more of Detroit and Oakland. So you want to start with that one?
0: Locked in, baby. Watched every minute of A's Tigers. Not. I have nothing to say. I have one thing to say about A's Tigers.
1: Joe Boyle, six scoreless. I love you, Joe Boyle. Continue. Tell me about uh, Baltimore and Cleveland. Really
0: brutal Orioles loss on Friday night. The offense on Thursday night went pretty quiet. And then Friday night, a crazy Orioles comeback, scoring two runs in the top of the ninth, only to lose it on a David Fry wall-banging double walk-off. The O's well, <laughs> bullpen looks
1: shaky. Yeah, I was just going to say, wall-banging double, we know didn't go over the fence. No. Um, that's not, that doesn't, they don't do that in Cleveland. So credit to David Fry uh, for having that moment. And Cleveland just... What a weird season for them, man. Weird. Like I just do not know what to make of them. Tristan McKenzie came back and pitched. That did not make anybody feel especially good. We hope that he can get right for 2024. Uh, and for, for Baltimore, I mean, these are these are big, frustrating games. I mean, you mentioned they're still in a decent spot heading into this final week, but you would like to get even that one more game of cushion. We'll see. We know they have the tiebreaker, but yeah. you can't complain too much because the bullpen is is getting stretched here a little bit.
0: Yeah, the bullpen looks exhausted. The most encouraging thing from the Orioles over the weekend was John Means on Saturday looking dominant, taking a no-hitter deep into that one. I believe he went seven and a third, making a really strong argument to start potentially even game two for the Orioles in their playoff series. We'll talk about this as we move forward. I would prefer John Means to throw at home. And have Grayson Mm. Rodriguez pitch on the road just because of Baltimore and how the ballpark is playing more defensively than it used Mm -hmm. to and means because he is a lot more contact oriented, Mm -hmm. uh, is more liable to give up a a bomb that might stay in the yard in Baltimore. Agreed. I would prefer for him to face Cleveland.
1: In the postseason, mm. that would be my if, ideal. If matchup. You could draw it out. <laughs> if we can, you know, I know we're getting greedy here with the Orioles, like might win 100 games, but that would be my choice because not to take anything away from John means the offenses are
0: probably yeah. going to be a little better. I love the <laughs> Boy, idea of all right, game one, Kyle Bradish against the Rays game two, means against Cleveland game three Grayson against the Rays. Exactly, exactly,
1: exactly. Um, just pretend Yandy's still on Cleveland if you face Tampa. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, anyway, so that's that's good. All right, let's move to the uh, a couple other um, opportunities. Let's just get these out of the way because they weren't that important. Three one series wins, Braves over the Nationals. Um, Braves pitching, Braves relief like bullpen ERA is like through the roof over the last couple weeks. That's not super great.
0: Let's I, let's table this. I want to do Braves okay. panic meter tomorrow.
1: Okay, that's fine. I just, that's fine. They still take three of uh, four over the Nationals, um, but yeah.
0: Let, Max Freed on the aisle and, with a blister and Charlie Morton on the aisle with finger inflammation.
1: Also, uh, Ronald got the 40 homers. That was awesome. That was on Friday. Him doing it against Patrick Corbin was duh, but happy for him. I hope he continues to uh, rack up the ridiculous stats this week. We'll do but a whole pitching. podcast on Ronald's incredible 40-40 season
0: at some point over the winter, I promise. Yes.
1: Uh, Dodgers taking 3-4 of over the Giants. You have on the doc here saying bye-bye, Giants. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. They did win last night against San Diego. But generally, yes, this was really their last opportunity to make any sort of statement, to make the people watching this NL postseason chase and be like, Yeah, the Giants! they didn't really do that. So Dodgers again, not that they're really playing for anything, but they 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 are winning it's, you know, it's without it literally without even needing to or trying, but that's kind of the nature of the Dodgers. So I guess impressive series win there when you consider the stakes of the Giants. Let's move to the sweeps. We had three sweeps now, we already mentioned Rangers over Seattle again. I mean, there are a lot of ridiculous moments to that, but we already touched on Seattle. Royals over Astros. I mean, the real thing here is, first of all, Cole Reagans, again, looked fantastic. Jordan Lyles, probably the best start of his season. We love to see that. And honestly, like Kansas City... Has been pretty frisky. I think they've been one of the best teams in baseball over the last three weeks, and they still have the second worst record because they got so bad over the stretch (laughs) of the middle of the season there. Houston has simply not been very good at home. And I don't know what that's about, but it is a real thing. And I don't know what that means for the postseason. That's bad news if I'm the Twins and I'm looking at Minnesota coming to town, or I'm looking at Houston coming to town in Minnesota. Either way, obviously, we're going to trust Houston probably no matter what in the playoffs. But just really weird, because talk about the opportunity here to jump out ahead, even with how well Texas played, and just throwing that opportunity away.
0: I felt like I was tripping balls that whole series, because we have seen Astros at home, in close games, in meaningful games, big crowd, loud crowd. And you just assume that Jordan Alvarez is going to put one in the gap, or Jose Altuve is going to lift one into the Crawford boxes. But all weekend against the Royals. That did not happen. It was so yeah. jarring compared to what our expectations are with this team.
1: It was like, and specifically, and Jordan had a monster homer. But like, I kept pulling up the the scores, and I was like, "Oh, they got a couple runners on. Like they're down." But like, there's no way. Like this Royals bullpen has been an atrocity the entire season. That is why they're going to lose 110 games. It was like, there's no shot they hanging on <laughs> against Houston, and they they did. They swept them. Um, Cubs sweep the Rockies. Now, this was a series, right, as the Cubs were starting to slip and we're like, uh-oh, 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 there's nothing better you can possibly see than the Rockies coming to town. Rockies on the road as reliable of an easy opponent as you're going to get. Yeah. And it sucks because, again, there's a lot of things depressing about the Rockies but this is just exactly who the Cubs need to see. Do I feel that much better about them as like the best team of this NL wildcard bunch? No, not really. I think we will find out really how they're feeling this week against Atlanta, even with Atlanta in kind of a weird spot. But hey, we'll take it. Like if you're a Cubs fan, who cares? You take care of business. That's exactly what you need to do with that spot. And I know all those other teams are including the Reds are <laughs> having been in Cincinnati this weekend for the team that's chasing them, regardless of how the Reds are playing, you got the Cubs on kicking the Rockies ass. It's like, God damn it. Like, why are they playing the Rockies? So, uh, yeah, but that that's a nice and They, they took advantage there, and that, that is the definition of taking care of business.
0: Chris Bryant returning to Wrigley Field, going one for nine as a member of the Colorado Rockies. Had a big strikeout late in one of the games against Jose Quas, where he looked like he was blindfolded. I can't decide how sad it makes me, and I would be curious to hear from the experience of Cubs fans Mm -hmm. who are invigorated by this current group Mm -hmm. and how they have fought for a postseason spot. I think when a lot of people didn't believe that the Cubs would be a postseason team or in the mix at all this year, to see Chris Bryant return home powerless, broken, a shell of his former self, what was that experience like? If you were a Cubs fan you were at any of these games, you watched any of these games, and you were forced to see a fallen hero do his best, email us, baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. We'd be very interested just to know what that vibe was like.
1: Let's move on to the other series victories. San Diego over St. Louis. Uh, We're going to talk about the Padres a little bit uh, at the end of the show here. So not much to add here. Again, they had, I guess the winning streak was broken, got up to W8 uh we thought and, and in in a ways like they ended up going losing an extras there now Owen 12 tied for the worst extra inning record in major league baseball history and that is that's kind of the season sorry that's like the whole story i mean there's a lot of other things going on but that is
0: a hell of a stat Owen 12 in extra innings should not be possible my dad's left me all year and just try to get back into my life when it's too late i'm grown now okay it's uh. september Get out. Sorry,
1: I I can take care of myself at this point.
0: I believed in you, okay, and you were not there for me. No, and here you are, come September, trying to get back into my life. No,
1: no, way too late. Cardinals again, really trying to rack up the L's here. Uh, trying to get into great lottery position marlins over Brewers this was a weird one if you were locked in earlier on Friday full slate oh my god the Brewers kicking their ass in Miami rowdy telez is pitching closes out the Brewers clinch of a postseason spot hilarious things it was a both an uh kind of a showing of like okay Milwaukee's kind of been like here we are we're playing well at the right time we've we've got this distance we haven't clinched the division yet
0: All-time incredible post-game interview from Rowdy Tellez after he pitched. If you have not watched that, (laughs) podcast listeners, make sure you do that.
1: That is a great example when we talk about there are baseball players who are – there's like funny for a baseball player, and then there's like actually a funny person. Rowdy Talez, when he wants to be, actually a funny person. Amazing post-game quote. However, I will also say that while they celebrated, they were like, okay, we clinched a postseason spot. Craig Council, after winning on Friday, said, we'll do the real thing tomorrow in reference to winning the division. They did not do that. They lost the next two games. Now, I expect them still to clinch the division. I'm not saying that's an ultimate jinx. At the same time, Marlins take the next two. Credit to them. Brewers still looking to clinch the division. They're still in decent position. And Marlins really saving their season there because that's felt like the, well... Here we go. Marlon's gonna spiral over this last week. And instead they bounce back. Credit to them. They got some big injuries. Sandy sounds like he's out for the year, which really sucks. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm um, uh, fighting fish are fun. So we'll see what happens with them.
0: Only one game back in the NL card. We'll talk about that in a second. Reds just oh. freaking horrible. Pirates oh. taking two out of three in Cincinnati.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The nine they were up nine to zero. Nine to zero. Three yes. field goals. Okay. <laughs> a touchdown and a safety. They were up against the Pirates. The mm. Pirates. And yeah. they bungled it. They blew it.
1: It was it was a total disaster. I was there pregame Friday. I was there for all the game on Sunday. Going to talk about Joey Votto at the end of the show here today. But that loss, I mean, their bullpen talk about being taxed. A bullpen with not a lot of recognizable names. Just being pushed to their absolute limit because their starting pitching has been so injured, so shaky, so much, so many rookies kind of doing their best. And the battle in Buckos, man, they've they've been have making a lot of people have bad days lately. Of course, they did it to Chicago earlier in the week, and then they're they're a fun bunch. I I enjoyed uh, being around the Pirates a little bit. Still, some questions about the direction of that franchise in terms of who really is going to be a part of that next good team. But they're definitely having a good time down the stretch. So credit to Pittsburgh. And just wanted to shout out, again, some of those Reds relievers. Shout out to Ian Jabot. Ian Jabot bounced around a few uh, organizations over the last few years. Ian Jabot comes in and gets the save on Sunday instead of Alexis Diaz, even though Diaz pitches the eighth. Ian Jabot has pitched in more games than any National League pitcher this year. A guy that has been on more uh, teams, over the last you know three, four teams, bounced around just just the kind of guy just thinks he's got to get an opportunity. He's been one of their best relievers all year. And yeah, 72 games for Ian Jabou this year. Incredible. Which I went up to him in the clubhouse. I was like, hey, congrats. Uh, you know, nice save. Also, you you've pitched more games than nationally." I said, like, does it feel like it? He's like, yeah, it does. <laughs> so these guys are gassed, but uh, they're doing their best. To, and the Reds, again, as embarrassing as that loss was, again, we just mentioned with the Mariners, all-time embarrassing loss on Saturday. You look at the standings.
0: If you told the Reds at the beginning of the season, here's where you'll be with a week to go, you would obviously take it. Uh, white Sox, taking two out of three from the Red Sox, two completely irrelevant teams. Jordan, what color are your socks right now? Right now, they are actually uh,
1: purple. So <laughs> uh, I can't help you with the uh, with the white and red socks. Sorry.
0: Got it. I have a little bit of red mm-hmm. on my socks, but they are multicolored socks. Uh, so. They are kind of a rainbow situation. So neither white nor red, which is appropriate because we have nothing to say about this series. Yankees taking two out of three from the Diamondbacks in a very weird series. I live in New York City. It has been raining for as long as I can remember. All I know is gray skies and wetness falling from the sky. And so these two teams played on Friday. Saturday got canceled like on Friday. On on Friday night, they were like, okay, well, it's going to rain Saturday. It's going to rain a ton on Sunday, so we can't do a doubleheader. So we got to play Monday. Unfortunately, the Diamondbacks had a game scheduled on Monday, yesterday, in Chicago against the White Sox. So MLB pushed that game to Thursday, making the two teams play yesterday on a day that was previously an off day for the Yankees and the Diamondbacks. And what that meant is that yesterday was like the most sparsely attended Yankees game you could imagine. On Yom Kippur, first of all, shouts out to us, in the horrible weather, constant rain, no break cold on a day that was previously scheduled to be an off day. And so fans could not plan to come. So there was like seven people at this game and still the Yankees came back and won in the eighth with three runs to take two out of three from the Diamondbacks and keep the NL wildcard race interesting.
1: Yeah. And... Tough bounce for Arizona. I mean, I don't really blame ML. Like, I don't really know how else they're supposed to handle this. They're lucky that there already was even an off day. So now Arizona will play Thursday in Chicago and then have to fly home, play Houston at home on Friday night to finish the season. Uh, but still, that is a game that you have to have. Kevin Ginkle getting his first loss of the year. Kevin Ginkle was 9-0. and I had been – I'm not even joking. I was like readying Kevin Ginkle fun facts. Two weeks ago, because he was nine and zero as a reliever, which hasn't happened in years, and then he blows that game in front of nobody, and to everyone wondering, "Well, I saw. How does it happen that they had a forty-one thousand paid attendance?" That's that's literally just who paid to go to the game on Saturday. It's not that complicated. There's that is has to be the reason. It's not like forty-one thousand people paid to go to the game yesterday, and they claimed there were forty-one thousand people there. They just moved it to the right. number of games and, and acted like it was that. But yeah, I have to say, based on the pictures. I mean, I, that's probably the most sparsely attended game I've seen, not in Oakland, since COVID
0: anywhere. Yeah, anyway, makes sense though. But, also, yeah, yeah, it's like makes sense. Yankees fans months ago. Oh, a Saturday afternoon game mm-hmm. uh, in September down the stretch. Gotta go to that. That'll yeah. be big. Exactly. And no, obviously nope, not. Fine. It was big for the big for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> <laughs> big for the Diamondbacks. Okay, Jordan. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the NL postseason picture talk about Joey Votto and Logan Webb and Jordan you have one more thing to say
1: well we skipped Toronto and Tampa Bay just quickly Uh, Blue Jays did take two of three over Tampa Bay that is important Toronto finally playing finally playing pretty well but that's another team that I have learned to not exactly trust on a series to series basis so we will see how they do this week but yes let's take a break we'll be back looking more at the National League postseason picture we'll be right back
0: And welcome back to Baseball BarbaCast. I'm Jake Mitz. That's Jordan Schusterman. We discussed the American League because we are true Americans. But now it is time to discuss discuss the National League because we are true Nationals, just like Christian Guzman. Uh, the <laughs> we are getting a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say just like Austin Kearns.
1: I saw Austin Kearns was at the game uh, in Cincinnati before the game on Friday. And I was like, is that 2007 Nationals legend, Austin Kearns? And all the Reds beat Reds were like, yeah, who cares? I was like, I care. care. I care. Anyway, okay, National League. Uh, Last night, well, one of the big questions we had going into the weekend. Before we start, hold up time
0: out. I want to say what we know before we say what we don't. Okay? Atlanta. If you've heard of them, oh, the a okay, yep. 100 wins. They have 100 wins.
1: That's so many they wins. They are
0: 156. They have won the American League. The American League. They have won the National League East. Book it. Number one seed. Whatever. Dodgers, they won the National League West. They'll be the number two seed. They'll get a bye. Those things we know. Milwaukee, in the coming days, will win the NL Central. They will be the number three seed. And the Phillies now have a five-game lead over Arizona and Chicago for the top wildcard spot. They will clinch in the coming days. They will be the four seeds. So we know one, two, three, four in the National League. That is more or less booked. Atlanta, LA, Milwaukee, and Philly. Those last two spots in the National League wildcard are up for grabs. And we have three legitimate contenders. Sorry, four legitimate contenders for two spots. Arizona and Chicago are both 82 and 74, and they occupy the five and the six spot. Miami, a game behind the Cubs and the Diamondbacks. At 81 and 75, they travel to Queens this week. I will probably go see them to play the Mets. And the Reds are two and a half back of the Cubs at 80 and 77. That is the picture in the National League as it stands this morning, Tuesday, September twenty-six, 9.44 a.m.
1: Yes, and when we went into the weekend, knowing we wouldn't be talking until Tuesday, one of the big questions was, would the Padres, who had not lost in like a week when we spoke on Friday, still be mathematically alive when we spoke on Tuesday morning? And the answer is technically yes. Their tragic number is down to one. But by losing a close game to San Francisco last night, they, as I just mentioned, are now, th- this is it. They one won one game uh, from being out. Uh, so that's probably, that dream is dead. And for the Giants, their tragic number is down to two. So they're four and a half back of the Cubs Uh, in a game up on San Diego. But last night was an interesting game, and I did want to at least talk about this uh, a little bit because the Giants ended up coming back late. Robert Suarez pitched a lot of, he threw a lot of pitches into the eighth inning. Josh Hader did not come in in a very obvious spot in what would look like, you know, with two outs in the eighth, this is where you would bring in Josh Hader. But here's the thing. Josh Hader has not gone four outs in the regular season, in a really, really, really long time. This is not a new thing at all. But still, when you look at the spot and it was like, why is Robert Suarez facing Michael Conforto having thrown 30 pitches instead of bringing in Josh Hader? Well, Josh Hader was like, no. Uh, after the game, Josh Hader asked, this is from AJ Castleville, asked his thinking behind not making himself available for four outs. Quote, it's the situation we were at. Asked to clarify. He said, are we in the playoff race? Technically, yes, but it would take a miracle. To which he said, quote, you guys want me to do everything. There you go. Asked if he was looking to the offseason with his decision to limit himself. Of course, Hater going to be a free agent. Hater said, it has nothing to do with the offseason. It's the now, it's the health, it's the making it through the entire season. 162 games is not an easy task to do. You, guys, you see guys work overloads. They get injured. Um, this is a situation where if it wasn't literally that specific game, like if he had said this two days later, <laughs> don't think anybody cares. But because the Padres are hanging on to something here, the optics are bad. However, this is not new at all. If you've had beef with or not going four ounce, this has stretched back years. If you want to have that take, that's fine. But it is interesting now that we've had multiple cases of pitchers being brutally honest about not wanting to overextend themselves. As we saw with Kirby, we saw with Snell recently. Snell was amazing last night. Um and so it's just interesting and I don't I think it is about the offseason
0: but hey that's hater I don't I don't I don't really blame him at all but I also can understand Padres fans being a little lurked. I mean he did it last year in game 2 against the Dodgers. He got four outs last year in the postseason
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the NLDS. So he will do it if he needs to and it needs to be that I mean that's what it requires right? Right. Mm-hmm. And what I think makes it more legitimate from haters that he used to do it. When he was in Milwaukee, he was getting four or five outs all the time. And I'm sure he knows his body that he feels worse and is a worse pitcher with worse numbers when he has to do that. Mm -hmm. And with, I know he said it wasn't about the upcoming (laughs) offseason and him being a free (laughs) agent, but that's just not true. Like, obviously it is, and I understand that. But I think that when the Padres traded for him and added him to the bullpen, they knew this is what they were getting. And there are no allusions to what Josh Hader is or isn't at this point. Mm-hmm. He is a dominant one-inning reliever. Yep.
1: And, uh, yeah, and, and again, the optics, it's like, well, you have Robert Suarez getting left out there. Robert Suarez already got paid, right? So he's obviously not going to be worried about going as, as much as he wants, and it's up to – And now the thing that I find interesting is, like, we know Hater doesn't do this. What would happen if Bob Melvin just calls down there in the eighth and says, Hater, we need you to get – like, does he just say no? Like, I honestly don't – I'm curious but- about that.
0: Melvin wouldn't do it if he knew Hater wasn't didn't want to do it. Like that's well, just clearly, not clearly because that's where we're at. Like obviously yeah. Melvin
1: understands that. Now Melvin not, might not like that. Probably doesn't like that, right? But that's the part that I I be curious as to what happened in that situation. But obviously, Padres season is so far gone. The quote I was much more interested in. Do you have anything else on the Padres side? Uh, quote I was much more interested in was Logan Webb. Logan Webb threw a complete game last night. He is going to lead. I think the majors in innings, if not certainly the National League, uh, he has been a hoss. He has been underrated. He has been fantastic. Uh, Logan Webb had this quote after the game. When asked about winning a Cy Young, he said, this is from Alex Pavlovic. it's definitely something I would like to do, but to be honest with you, winning is more important. If we don't do that, it's kind of a waste. That's my goal. Here's the part that I am fascinated by. Quote, I'm tired of losing. It's not enjoyable. It's not fun. We've got to make some big changes in here to create that winning culture that we want to show up every single year and try to win the whole thing. I think we're there. It's just, we've got to. I don't know what it is. I'm sick of losing, to be honest. (laughs) I love this from Logan Webb. And also, am like, you really, you haven't been losing. (laughs) I know you're not. I know technically you're one game under 500. But this is the same day when I saw, quote, from a, I know I'm sorry to go football here, but I don't know if you saw that the Broncos gave up 70 points to the Dolphins. And one of the Dolphins or one of the Broncos O linemen had literally the exact same quote where he said, I'm sick of losing. I'm tired of losing. All I've done here is lose. Broncos have the second longest playoff drought in the NFL behind just the Jets. He has actually lost every single season of his seven-year career, this guy. Whereas Logan Webb, who two years ago, they won the division, won 108 games. They were 500 last year. But I love this because it's Logan Webb. It's like he's trying to set the bar higher than where the Giants are at. But I do think that the perspective here is interesting of Logan Webb coming off of a CG dub is like, I'm tired of losing. And I'm tired of mediocrity, right? I think that's what Giants fans are really tired of, is mediocrity. That part I get. But it is funny to see that same quote used in two very different contexts.
0: Baseball season's long, man. It's long. And so when you have one season under 500... It feels like you've been losing for twenty five years, <laughs> I right? I guess so. Uh,
1: it's it's fine. I, listen, I love that he's still holding that standard. It's just hearing it from him. If you're on the again, if you're on the Pirates or you're on the Royals, uh, if you're Brian Reynolds, right? <laughs> like you're like I have really just only been losing. Right. Logan Webb, it's
0: like you're awesome. There are worse places to be. Logan Webb, awesome guy. We'll have well, let's try and have him on the podcast at some point. Absolutely. Yes. Offseason. So before we do Joey Vado Day mm-hmm. recap and say goodbye, I just want to take a look ahead this week at the NL wildcard situation. Sure. If, if you uh, oblige yeah. me. All four of the teams in the mix are on the road for this mm. week series. Diamondbacks going to the White Sox, Cubs going to the Braves, Marlins going to the Mets, and Reds going to the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Of these four teams, Jordan, which will you be the most locked in on? Um, I think
1: the Marlins. The Marlins certainly have the opportunity being just one game back. I think the Reds, I think that's a decent matchup with Cleveland, but like again, two and a half is still a lot to kind of make up when you're jumping over uh a team there. So I think the Marlins coming off of beating a good team, having the opportunity to play a bad team. I know that they're really dealing with some injuries here, but they're they're getting down to it here. And if if they are going to go into this final weekend, I, I feel better about about them, uh, I think, doing it. So I think that's the one because with the Cubs, I have no idea what to expect from the Braves at this point, truly. And and honestly, with Arizona, like I think the White Sox are bad, too. So like who's more likely to roll over the Mets or the White Sox? Probably the White Sox. But either way, it's uh, I think the Marlins are the team. I'm watching the closest. All righty. Tell me about Joey Vado day. So I was there on Sunday, uh, stayed for the stayed for the game because I, I I mean I I kind of knew not that we know for sure that that's going to be Joey Votto's final home game, but the crowd sensed it. They didn't necessarily plan anything, and they haven't planned anything all year, right? Like this hasn't been a season long goodbye tour. But to be there for that, to watch him get the standing ovation, to watch him you know strike out in his first couple of bats, look bad, get a hit in his final at bat, get to be pinch run for, get another ovation. And then again, as I've talked about all year, to kind of be in that room, uh, in that press conference room and listen to him reflect on what this past year has been, of course, what the career has been, but listen to him kind of talk about where he's at mentally. Didn't commit to anything specifically. Again, you know, the $20 million team option next year is obviously going to be uh, declined, but there's a version where you could imagine that they would still see value in having him back. But what's most important is that Joey Votto has very high standards for himself on the field. And so if he believes he can still be a productive, good player, and the Reds are willing to bring him back in some way, I do believe that that is what's going to happen. However, I think even this last week, we will kind of see how things shake out. I just know that he—he, it's not an accident, right? That he was willing to take that time. And and the one quote that really stuck with um, me—that we'll kind of end with here—is he talked about how during the standing ovation, he was looking around and how he just recognized so many people. And that is a thing that doesn't—you know—when you see these great, you know, future Hall of Famers getting these standing ovations in all these ballparks, whatever. It's they feel like a distant person. They feel like someone who is not necessarily. They're separate. They they are the major league baseball superstar. We are the the plebes, the humans cheering them on. Right. But you think about a guy who's been in Cincinnati for twenty years. Cincinnati, by population, I believe, is one of the three smallest major league cities. Right. It's not that many people, and for a guy to be in this place, it sounded nuts for him to say, "I recognize so many people in the stands," but it's true. It's so true. When I see guys come back, like you see it, it, you think about it more like a minor league context, but like when Kyle Farmer comes back, there's all these guy, all these Reds fans, like that he doesn't know necessarily personally, but he recognizes them because it's, it's the Reds. It's, it's a much smaller operation. And so Joey Votto recognizing, looking around and just knowing all these people that were cheering him on was really special and really cool. And I think that that was, he, he's obviously so grateful for being a red and, and being on this one team for so long and while we justifiably lionize players that stay on one team for a long time, even though that is as rare, rare as as ever, seeing it in a franchise like this in a market like this was, I think, especially meaningful. And I'm very grateful to have been been witness to maybe the end of Joey Votto uh, as a major leaguer. And uh, like you said, like just just listening to him talk is is really really a unique experience. And I'm sure we will get more very interesting quotes. Uh, from him as the season winds down. So we'll see what happens with the Reds. Maybe they make things interesting. I know he's, of course, focused on helping them maybe get to the postseason again, but it's cool that he even had this opportunity to play in a meaningful game in September when it all could have been a lot less
0: celebratory. So cheers to you, Joey Votto. Something is always better than nothing. Mm -hmm. That's our show for today. We will be back tomorrow with another Baseball Barbacast. Remember, you can email us at baseballbarbacast, that's cast at gmail.com. We love your emails. We read them all. We respond to some of them, but we do read them all. Make sure you rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Tell your friends. We will be going nearly daily starting. Well, not nearly. We will be going daily starting in the championship series round in October. A lot of pods ahead postseason preview stuff, postseason recap stuff. Now is a great time to hop aboard the Barbacast bandwagon.
1: Yes. So thank you, Jake, for co-hosting with me. Thank you, Chris Tyler, for producing. As always, you can get some merch, podswag.com slash baseball. Go get some hoodies, hats, mugs, water bottles, all the Barbacast merch your dream your heart could possibly desire. But until tomorrow, we will be back. This is good. Get into this, this, this daily grind here. We'll be back on Wednesday morning. <laughs> until then. Enjoy Tuesday. We'll talk to you very soon.
0: SiriusXM XM Podcasts.